Hi everyone, welcome back to Brand 2020. You know, in this series we talk about Japan's brand. How would they project this brand outside of Japan and inside Japan to people who live here? On June 15th, the Japanese regulation governing the short-term stays, people staying in hotels, hosted housing, that sort of thing, went into effect that cut out 80% of all of the registered stays for Airbnb and also affecting everybody in this industry. I'm joined today by my co-host, David Russell, to talk about this issue and to explore the ramifications in this industry. David? Yeah, Tim, thanks again. Always happy to be here. You're absolutely right. Boy, Airbnb really took it on the chin on this one. Um, and the figure you quoted, I see everywhere in the newspaper, it said uh, basically Airbnb lost 80% of their reservations. That's not true. They lost about 98.5% of their reservations. It went from 62,000 available units for Airbnb customers in Japan down to about 1,000. How did they get caught with their pants down? That's a really good question. Uh, the interesting scenario here is that we all know the background here. There's a massive influx of tourists, right? Japan is overrun with tourists. And they want more. And the government says, what do we have? Something like 27 million right now, last year. 27 million inbound tourists. The government is projecting 40 million by the Olympics. That's two years from now. They want 40 million tourists. And, and 10 years million, after that, they want 60 million. Yes. And the problem is right now there's no room for people to stay. Right. So the government's response to this has been to come up with all sorts of crack brain schemes to find places to stash all these tourists when they come for the Olympics. You probably heard one of those interesting schemes was to open up all the love hotels in Tokyo so that people who couldn't find regular hotel rooms could stay in a love hotel. That'll go over really well with a lot of the visitors. Well, the love hotels, they usually stay pretty occupied, but they're rather high, high cost too. So it's I mean, they're, they're hourly, they're rented by the hour, so right. they're, they're not really yeah, fit I'm just for thinking the, the accommodations man. there might not be what a mm. family from the Midwest, for example, is looking for. You're not going to have kitchen services, for example. Yeah, maybe not. Um, there are lots of other services. But basically, the government's approach to this has not been very realistic. What's happening is the private sector is building hotels left and right. You, I mean, you can't lots draw of a rock here without up. seeing a new hotel right. going up, right? But one of the other things, one of the simplest, most flexible, and really very modern 21st century approach to this is Airbnb. Mm -hmm. There's lots and lots of people who have spare rooms that they could let out, spare apartments they're not using. There are landlords who have vacancies that they can't fill immediately. Why not lease them out through Airbnb? Right. Works good. It's good for the landlord, it's good for Airbnb, and it's very good for Japan. They really need places for all these tourists to stay. So basically it's a win-win. And everyone saw it all moving in the same direction. I think uh, Airbnb certainly was on board and they were constantly talking to the Japan uh, Tourism Association. Uh, they had a good idea, a good sense of where things were going. And the general feeling was, yes, you're supposed to have some kind of a permit in order to lease your place out. You want right. to sublet your place to some tourists. You're supposed to get some kind of a permit. But so far, nobody's really paying attention to that. And very soon, the government will pass a new regulation and they'll make it very, very easy for any landlord to rent to any tenant he wants on a short-term mm -hmm. basis and there'll be no problem. In other words, it was widely understood that the current existing situation wait, wait. would be legitimized. Right, not right? done. Right, it's all going to be legitimized very soon. What happens? The regulation comes out, bang, just the opposite. It was almost like an ambush. I mean, exactly. it was big news in the in, throughout Tokyo and also in Kyoto, Osaka, because a lot of people who have already registered with Airbnb, they have a reservation. They're coming in six weeks, four weeks, three weeks. They've got business or they're right. just touring and those Reservations have now disappeared. Exactly. A lot of people who had reservations, Airbnb had to write to them and say, I'm sorry, 
we've had to cancel your reservations. Of course, mm -hmm. we'll compensate for any loss there, but we have to cancel it. There's no choice. Uh, the government forced that. Uh -huh. And uh, Airbnb's version of the story was that they were in regular touch with the government and the, the agencies in question, and that they were never told, that they were blindsided by mm -hmm. this, that the, the change in the regulation hit them completely out of left field, and then this thing where they were suddenly told two weeks before the regulation goes into effect, suddenly they're told, oh, by the way, you have to cancel all existing reservations. Yeah. Yeah. So everything from June 15th to about June 20th, you just got to cancel all those right now. Yeah. Who cares if you lose business? Yeah, I don't know if it really works that way, David, because for uh, established businesses, they have their own way of doing business. They have their own lobby. They're, they're paying taxes. They're hiring people. And uh, companies like Airbnb who are filling in the gaps that are not being facilitated, they're kind of off, off kilter a little bit. And it doesn't surprise me that this group of owners, hoteliers, have grouped together to protect their service provision against, you know, encroachment, you know, falling prices, that sort of thing, sure. lack of occupancy. So it, it would seem to me that companies like Airbnb would also be well advised to have bolstered, you know, their government relations, their, their lobbying activities. Exactly. Maybe well, they just caught shorthanded. Yeah. Well, I, again, I think they were blindsided. Your point that the the hotel industry is probably behind this sudden change in regulations, I think is very well taken. Uh, Airbnb, this was not the first time that Airbnb has turned up to not have friends in the hotel industry. All over the world, they're running sure. into the same problem. Uh, the hotel industry in every country is saying, well, wait a minute, you know, we're all for you starting up new business, your stock price is going through the roof, we all think that's great, but hey, you're eating our lunch. Those are our tenants that you're stealing away, mm -hmm. right? So the hotel industry has very good reason to be angry. There's no question that they're angry in Japan. And I think there's no question, although we haven't actually seen a smoking gun, there's no question it was the hotel industry, among others, that put pressure on the government and said, no, 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 right. we can't have this. You can, Airbnb can be legal in Japan, but we can't let them operate like this. I right. mean, that's just giving them too much freedom here. Right. And so one of the things about this regulation is that landlords don't register with the central government because that would be just a simple bureaucratic process. They have to register with local governments. Local governments, of course, are much closer to the local hotels, and the local hotels and the local businesses can put much more pressure on the local governments to say, uh-uh, we don't want this guy. He has 27 units to rent out. Let him rent out one. Right. right? Well, I think it goes deeper than that. We've talked on this program before about the, the pollution, uh, tourist pollution, about so many tourists, like in, in Kyoto nowadays, oh. it's just... You can't even walk through the streets and, and enjoy the atmosphere, the, the tradition that Kyoto really exudes because there's so many people with cameras, there are people holding flags and, and phalanxes of, of tourists that are following them. It's just, it's really destroyed the I entire agree experience. More. I couldn't agree more. They, already people are saying there are too many tourists in Japan. Again, it, it, it's a double-edged sword. The government wants more tourism for a very simple reason. They Easy want, money. Basically, yeah, it's good it's, for the economy. Yes. And there's... Literally, there's tens of thousands of restaurants and hotels and service companies that are all seeing it in their cash register. Tourism is good for business. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they're all very pro-tourism. But for the common people, for anybody who has to live in one of these places, it's a major tourist destination. You mentioned Kyoto, which is certainly one of the most beautiful cities on the planet and is now wall-to-wall -wall tourists from all, right. all over the world. And we have problems with people just loitering in private domicile mm -hmm. doorways. You know, you, you wake up in the morning and there's a bunch of people camped out in your doorway. People are trespassing left and right just to get a good selfie photo. Yeah. I mean, this is crazy stuff going on. But, I mean, also, too, Japan is a really 
special place. I mean, there are rules for everything. I mean, you're not supposed to sit on the floor. You're not supposed to be walking and eating. There are rules for, for every kind of social interaction that you can conceive. Sure. And they have their own special way of doing it. And foreigners that come in, they say, well, isn't this cute? But I'm doing it my own way because right. I'm only here for three days. Yeah, but some, sometimes doing it their own way involves all sorts of destruction of the, of the local environment. Famous examples, some of the 50, 100 beautiful trees in a bamboo grove right. were defaced by foreigners going there and carving their names, carving their initials in the bamboo tree. I mean, right. this is just... In any country, this is disgusting. Sure. This is what happens when you have a massive influx of tourism. So again, tourism pollution is a very, very valid complaint. Mm -hmm. And people who feel that anyone who supports this massive influx of tourists is, in effect, hurting the culture right. of Japan. I can understand that feeling. But is it Airbnb's fault? Mm -hmm. Is Airbnb actually the culprit here? No, I don't think so. I think Airbnb is, is unique. It provides a service. It provides a really an economic way for somebody to make some money and somebody to get something relatively cheap and also to have an, a different kind of experience. The Airbnb experience is going to be significantly different from somebody that's staying at the Grand Hyatt, exactly. for example. Exactly. And so the problem is we have an enormous increase in demand. There's a constant influx of tourists. The numbers just go up and up and up. Just the first three months of this year were all higher than the same three months last year. So mm -hmm. the number of tourists is just going up. It's skyrocketing. The government has all sorts of programs to increase tourism. They don't need them. Right. Tourism is going to rise no matter what. Mm -hmm. And so there's this problem of demand and there's very little supply. Mm -hmm. And as you know, I mean, there are lots of new hotels being built. They won't even scratch the surface of this problem. So what's the so Japanese government going to do? I mean, they're in preparation for the Olympics. I mean, that's what Brand 2020 is all about. How does Japan portray itself? How does Japan project that portrayal? And in this instance, Airbnb looks like it got a black eye and that's not good for you know, Japan's image overseas no. or even here in Japan. It's not good for Japan's image. Uh, it's certainly a, a big negative. Uh, it's certainly going to cause a lot of problems for tourists who are here and tourists who are planning to come. Mm -hmm. And it's going to create even more problems for Japan than they already had. And they already had pretty significant problems with tourism. Uh, how they deal with tourism pollution, that's another whole issue. Right. I don't even want to think about that. Mm -hmm. But the problems like Airbnb, it seems like Airbnb was trying to help to solve this problem of, of excess tourism and they as you say they got a black eye they got kicked in the teeth here you brought up another good point is that they were blindsided largely because they assumed that the regulations were going to go in their favor and maybe that's really the the moral of the story for foreign companies is that you can't assume the japanese government is going to take care of you no matter what they've told you before mm -hmm. and so a company that really wants to succeed here such as airbnb that has no long history here such as airbnb really needs to be doing government relations actively talking to the government not just through their corporate side but through professionals who have experience working with the government and saying look this is what our client is here for. This is how they're trying to help Japan. This is what's good for Japan. And this is how we want to improve the situation. Yeah, well, for these new market entrants, they're always competing against established Japanese companies. So they're competing against a headwind. And they can be successful here if their product and their service is superior or it's unique or it's delivered in a special way. And those are the kinds of people that I can help. They, I help them all the time. So what you need to fight against those established, homegrown Japanese companies who are providing a similar service is you need to be able to overcome that with skill and you know just being more adroit than your competition you need to be better faster cheaper more suave than they are
But I think in many cases that's absolutely right. It's very, very common for foreign companies to come in here with an attitude of, we've been successful in Spain, in Venezuela, in Italy. I mean, you pick any market, I don't care how tough the market was, we went in there, we did our thing, and we won our case. And right. we're making good money. And we can do the same thing in Japan, it's, it's a piece of cake. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work that way. Right. You come into Japan and bad things happen. We've seen countless yes. cases over the right. decades, right? But in this case, where, as you said, the government normally sends out signals and they don't want surprises. They want everybody to know what's coming down. Mm -hmm. But in this case, Airbnb was in close contact with the government, had very, very good contacts. They were going in there regularly to talk to the JTA. And they were taking in reservations one after. Now, if the government had even given them a hint that, guys, it's not, you know, after around mid-June, this whole thing is wrapping up, they would not have taken in thousands, tens of thousands of That's a huge liability. That's a huge liability, right. absolutely. And if they think, oh, well, we'll do it, and if the government shuts us down, we'll make the Japanese government look bad, that's not a good business scenario. No, no. So I don't think that Airbnb had foreknowledge of this. I think they really were blindsided by it. Uh, I, my real question is how the... The powers that be, the, not, it's not just the hotel industry, other powers have definitely worked. We were talking about tourism pollution. Certainly some of the local governments, possibly even the Kyoto government, were involved in saying, hey, Enough we, is enough. Enough is enough. Yeah. We you know, we, we don't need any more dirty foreigners running around in our streets, bumping into people, knocking stuff over. You, you've heard in Kyoto, you know, the geisha and the maiko being being touched and handled as if they're, they're only there for people's souvenirs and for photos. Right. You know, right? It, it, they all have a very valid complaint about mm -hmm. the way some foreigners have behaved here. Not all of them, but some tourists have certainly given all foreign tourists a black eye here, and I think that's a shame. But it's easy to see how municipal governments got together with the hotel industry and everybody put pressure on the central government and said, okay, let's hit yeah. the brakes on this. We're not saying we can't have tourism. We're not saying you can't have hotels. We're not even saying you can't operate Airbnb. We're just saying let's hit the brakes. Right. I think that's right. Because it's not just the municipalities. I mean, it's even at the, at the local level, your next door neighbor. Yeah. You know, there's somebody that lives next door and, and typically in, in Tokyo in particular, you don't really know who your next door neighbors are. I mean, you say hello, but mm -hmm. it's, it's rather an isolated existence in Tokyo except when it comes to taking out your trash right because they will know you know how you took your trash out was the plastic separated from the the glass was the plastics were the plastics washed for right. example it's a and particularly they, they, big issue in Japan and, and, and yes it's become a very big issue for you have foreigners. nosy people that are looking sure and you know? everyone knows that foreigners are not good at separating their garbage. That's Don't follow the rules because they didn't know what the rules were. But uh, yeah, yeah. It, it creates a very bad image for foreign tourists. There's no question about that. So maybe the, the point here is, is a broader effort to educate tourists that they when they come in, I mean, you take your shoes off in a Japanese house and you don't play your music loud, you don't chew gum and stick it under the table. I don't know what, what the right. resolution here is, but it's, you know, between a rock and a hard place, the tourists are coming. Sure. And I don't know what happened with the several hundred thousand that came in and didn't have a place to stay. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, the hotel industry is probably very happy with that because they're maxed out. Sure. But the people who actually invested in a residential property with the idea of not living there but to rent that out, they're also getting the short end of the oh, stick. Oh, absolutely. There's no question. Some of this has done, been done to hurt the investors. There's a mm -hmm. lot of people who are investing in properties specifically to rent them out with operations like Airbnb. Mm -hmm. In any case, it's obviously, it's a very complex topic. Uh, there's fault on both sides. 
You're right, the tourists definitely need to be better informed than they are, but the country also has to, to some extent, I hate to say it, but suck it up and say, if the government's going to both double and then triple the number of tourists in the next couple of decades, things are going to get a whole lot worse. Some place so, has to give. Yeah, so people are going to have to get used to it one way or another, or we're going to have to take some steps to prevent really extreme cases. Mm-hmm. If you don't want people in that bamboo grove, you're going to have to put up fences that were never necessary before mm-hmm. because Japanese understand these rules. Unwritten rules don't work for foreigners. The, the Olympics has always been a kind of a turning point for the countries where it is held. And in Japan, it was a dramatic changer for the economy, for society, for, for a lot of things. And they're hoping that this Olympic, too, will be that kind of game changer. Yes. I don't know if it's, um, if it's really in the cards. It's an interesting question, one that needs to be explored further. We should pick that up in another Brand 2020 down the road. Short-term stays in Japan, the regulations governing them have been changed. Massive cancellations for Airbnb. This story has got legs. Please stay tuned.